What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Sam's Report. Today is January 19th, 2018, and uh, yeah, yep, yep. A good week for me personally, mostly just because I the machine I talked about last week, I actually did build it. Um, I'm, I'll have a lot more about that next week. The only reason I, I'm not really showing you too much here is that colors are still jacked up. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know. I was playing around with this earlier. And the lighting, I'm on the new machine now, running, and there's something, some, there's a setting off somewhere that's screwing up the lighting. I don't know what it is, but anyways, so I built the machine, and I'll have, again, a lot more about it next week, but this is the case, it's a dark base um, from Be Quiet, uh, dark base 700. I really liked it, because he's a couple fans there, and blah, 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 um, just me chunking the motherboard in. Nothing too crazy here. I mean, 7900X, I didn't change anything up. Asus X299 Prime Deluxe, 32 gigs of G-Skill Trident ZRAM. I'll probably up that to 64 once prices aren't astronomical. And then uh, there's two GTX 1080 reference cards in there that I had lying around. So if somebody's going to go price all this stuff out, then write at me and say, hey, look, you spent a lot of money. It's like, no, a lot of the stuff was scrapped together. And uh, a Samsung 960 M.2 drive, which I already had, a one terabyte uh, platter drive, which actually kind of a pro tip. One thing I do, and I, I've started doing on all my machine, machines, is getting one terabyte. Reason being is that that is what my OneDrive capacity is. So I can actually do a complete replication locally and in the cloud and have it um, wherever I am. And so that's one, that's the reason why I went with one terabyte, not like five or something like that. And then I also have a 500 gig SSD in there. So basically the way the setup is the OS and any kind of high performance applications are on the M.2 drive, including uh, this application, which is XSplit. Uh, I also have video editing software and that's about it. Uh, games and anything else, other applications go on the solid state drive. And then any kind of like storagey things or text documents, photos and all that stuff go on the platter drive. Uh, that way they get uh, replicated up to the cloud. And I have a very nice backup of everything going on. Um, I did buy a new monitor as well. So I'm now running uh, triple 4K monitors, which is kind of crazy. But that's why there's two GTX 1080s in there. Um, so I've got the, the monitor that I bought is a UP2718Q from Dell. Uh, the reason why I went with Dell over anything else is that I already had two Dell other 4K monitors. And I thought about buying the same ones that I had previously, but this is the newer generation of it, um, has their infinity edge display and it works. Now, the problem is now I want two more of them because next to the other panels, which still look fine, they still look great. It's that they have giant bezels and, um, but I'm not about to spend another 900 bucks just to make things uh, have smaller bezels. I think that would be kind of insane and which likely means I'll probably do it in 2018 at some point. But um, yeah, the machine, this is the first machine I've built in, I think, 20 years. I'm pretty sure, pretty confident. It might even be 21 years. And it booted first try. I did say a small prayer before I hit the power button. I didn't really know what to expect. And everything booted perfectly. The only issue I've run into, actually, uh, two, two minor issues, is that, one, I can't get the machine to shut down sometimes. I hit shut down, and then it just kind of, it doesn't reboot, but it's like the graphics card and everything else turns off, and then it turns right back on. It's, it doesn't even restart. Although last night, it did actually shut down like you would normally expect. So there's something in the software. I don't think it's anything I wired up because all the buttons on the front panel work correctly. And you know, if, if I hit the power button on the front panel, it will do the same thing as if I go to start and then hit shut down. The other thing that I screwed up is I bought the wrong type of fans. Um, there is a fan controller. I don't think you can see it here. 
but if you see the these fans there's a fan controller built into the case on the back and so what i'm doing is i'm wiring them all up if you look up near the power button uh all the way on that left that's actually a physical switch that allows you to control the fan speed. I, I don't know why. It's not really necessary, but it's just kind of nice to have a physical switch to be able to control your fan speed. And so this all wire up into a fan controller that require uh, four pin fans. And I bought three pin fans like a filthy casual. And so actually showing up today should be the, the correct fans that I need. I will swap those out, put them in, and then I will snap some pretty pictures once it's all kind of bundled up. And uh, I'll do a nice write-up next week. It was a lot of fun. I can tell you that if, you've, if you're if you on the fence about building a PC these days, it's a hell of a lot easier than it used to be. Um, I remember looking back at some of the stuff I did a long time ago and having to do uh, different jumpers and all sorts of weird sort of settings on the motherboards to get it to work and and boot up correctly with the chipset this was very simple you just drop it in uh, you drop the chip in you put the cooler on and you just kind of wire everything up and wires typically only go in one place and they go only go in one direction anymore so it's kind of hard to screw things up and then it's just kind of up to you to route the cables and do all that stuff and so so far it's really good been playing some gaming but this is very much a workstation machine for podcasting video editing and all that which is why i went with the 7900x i got a million and a half questions about why i didn't go threadripper and i don't the reason there's a couple simple easy reasons one uh all of the high-end threadripper motherboards right now are terrible reviews and so that would kind of put me off um two i had that threadripper review machine that didn't go so well and so um, I actually think I might be getting another Threadripper machine at some point this year uh, once the new chipsets come out for review. So that was kind of a reason why. Um, two, single thread perform or single core performance is actually a pretty big deal for me because of the applications that we use are typically not multi-threaded or multi-core supported. So single core performance on Intel is still typically better than AMD. Now I know it's not perfect and I know you can get more cores. And yes, I completely went through all of these scenarios um, and I, I'm happy to argue with anybody about why that the parts I chose because I spent a very long time picking this stuff out. And um, yeah, so there you go that is up and running but kind of another good week of tech nothing too dramatic unless you are uh, intel because intel continually is, you know intel is going to become a case study about how not to deal with negative publicity now granted they had their specter and their meltdowns and all that crap and it seems like they, they came out and said hey this stuff isn't that bad uh it's going to be fine then they came out and said hey there's going to be some performance issues then they came out and said hey there's some random rebooting that we're not really sure what's happening then they said hey that random rebooting is in fact impacting a lot more a lot more chips than we actually initially told you about uh and then they said hey you should install the beta bios updates to make sure you're protected and um it seems like every time they have to come back to the press or make an announcement everything's just getting worse and i i suspect that they actually know you know the full implications of performance and all that stuff but they're just like they're, they're trickling it out rather than just what's called uh what is it called putting your moose on the table or frog on the table and, and eating your mouse first there's some stupid analogy like that i remember from graduate school basically uh the short of it is you know, if there's an issue, just put it out on the table and get it out of the way first. They know they should have a very good idea about actual the implications of this patching because they've known about it for what, since June? It's like, come on, guys, like get your SHIT together and just be honest. You, you know, it's an issue. You, you, you have a design flaw. We understand that. Just be candid about it and people are going to be a lot happier with it rather than every single week they get more bad news. It just keeps piling on top of each other. I don't know. It's pretty embarrassing that they can't just be straightforward. And then you have AMD on the other side 
who is saying, oh, our chips aren't really impacted, but we're going to issue uh, patches anyways. And so it's just like, uh, it's just frustrating from an end user perspective that we can't get a candid and solid and straightforward story from anybody. And that the, the news just every week is just a little bit worse. And Intel just had another rough week of that. Um, speaking of CPUs, by the way, Apple is finally going to give uh, users a little bit more control and they're going to allow you to control CPU throttling on your iPhone. That was another big thing that um, basically for Apple, this has been the Spectre meltdown stuff has been fantastic because Apple had this issue uh, and it came out and it was like big deal. Apple slowing down your phones. Now, granted, they're still dealing in the courts with some of that stuff. And then all this other crap about your, your desktop computer being screwed up, um, you know, just kind of played into their, their PR favor. So. Uh, good, good job, Apple, about timing that up um, effectively. Um, other things happening in the world, quite literally happening in the world. Uh, Microsoft is bringing the Surface Book 2 15-inch to new markets. Uh, basically, I, I, I was about to say, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a pretty good chance that you will now be able to get the Surface Book 2 in your local demographic. I can't guarantee that, but they opened it up to a over a dozen new markets. So there's a good chance, I should say, that if you've been eyeing a Surface Book 2, the pre-orders might be open. Definitely worth checking out your local stores if that's possible about how to get one. Um, it, the one thing I can guarantee is that if you live outside the U.S., you now have more than likely have a closer location to travel to to buy one if you really want one, rather than having to travel all the way to the U.S. to get a Surface Book 2 15-inch, uh, which it's a great machine. I need to do a kind of a longer-term follow-up to that, but I took it to CES, extremely happy with it. And unlike the Surface Book, the original Surface Book we're recommending, there was always kind of that caveat of it, it, it works great, but it's not, you know, it's not quite there yet. Uh, Surface Book 2, it's, it's a pretty damn good machine. I wish it had Thunderbolt 3, but that's aside from the point. Um, other things happening in the world is that RAF uh, uncovered a new fonts panel. This may not be a big deal, but you can see it here. Uh, this is coming in Windows 10, and this kind of does away some with some very old and legacy-looking uh, font rendering or uh, font selection and uh, and all that good stuff in Windows 10. It's finally bring, being folded into the settings panel. Microsoft has been very slow about getting everything into settings. They said that this is a long journey. I'm still using the control panel probably once a week when I'm screwing with monitors and all that stuff, but they're slowly getting rid of that legacy control panel. And this is just kind of the next step. So yeah, so you got that if, uh, if that's your cup of tea and, and you're a big font person. Um, so other things happening in the world of Microsoft that are, are notable is that there's been sort of an Xbox, not sort of, there absolutely has been an Xbox reorg. Uh, Matt Booty is now taking over Xbox game development and publishing, which I think is a good thing. He, I believe he comes from the Minecraft heritage a little bit. And, um, yeah, they're, they're. Xbox's uh, under Spencer is changing things up, and I think this is going to be only a good thing. I think they're going to be pushing significantly harder for those first-party titles or exclusives, because right now there's not there's not a lot of reasons other than you like the Microsoft ecosystem, other than you own an Xbox, to buy an Xbox. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my Xbox. I think it's right there. I, I play it every week. Um, but from a, an exclusive kind of like value proposition, it's like, eh, like they need more for, they, not necessarily first party titles, they need more Xbox only content, which I think is what they're now finally getting their head around. They've got some stuff coming up like Sea of Thieves and other things like that that will hopefully help, but they haven't had any big titles like Halo uh, pretty much since Halo. And Halo has lost a lot of luster over the years and it's just kind of, eh, you know, there's, don't get me wrong, 
people really love the game and I totally understand why, but it's not, it's not new and exciting anymore. It's just kind of, we know it's coming and Microsoft really milks that. Uh, there's a VR experience coming with Halo for mixed reality. Um, one thing I am hearing though, is I believe, I don't believe Halo, the next gen Halo is coming out this year. Although I have heard, and this is going to put a pit in a lot of people's stomach is that loot boxes are going to be part of Halo. Um, and I can tell you that inside of Microsoft, I'm hearing from sources seems to be pretty reliable is that uh, Microsoft, after the whole EA fiasco where they, what was it, Battlefront, where they basically, you had to buy the game and then you had to buy a whole bunch of loot boxes to actually be able to like level up and all that stuff, is that that, that this really kind of spooked Microsoft because that was a similar strategy they were taking with Halo. Not necessarily like the buying of leveling up, but it, they were going to be a pretty integral part. And now there's a strong backlash to loot boxes. And so I think the next gen Halo has some of that, but I think I know at this time, Microsoft is kind of reevaluating how they're going to implement those um, because there's a very heavy hand called regulation or regulators from like the governments. Um, we've already seen it somewhat in China. Uh, would not surprise me to see it in the EU. And now after what EA did by screwing up and getting too greedy, I wouldn't be surprised if we see something around that here in the US. And so Microsoft is going to be approaching this much more carefully with the next gen Halo. I know some people that will piss them off, but um, yeah, so that is going on. Uh, also, also in the, the Xbox gaming world, a lot of Xbox stuff happening this week is Phil Spencer had a comment, uh, I believe it was on the Major Nelson podcast. And um, I think Microsoft, and I, I'm very happy if this goes in any other direction where than where they are currently, is going to be changing up some things at E3. Uh, he is quoted as saying, I don't think we've talked about it yet, but I think there will be some positive changes at E3. Could be fun for us. It'll be a nice change, according to Phil Spencer. Here's what I'm hoping is that they find a new model for their keynote. Right now you go watch the Xbox keynote and I know it's tough because of what they're actually pitching, but it's, you just go sit and watch a keynote and then it's two hours or whatever of just, um, five minute game clips, five minutes. It, like, it's just like, here's the next Call of Duty. Here's the Sea of Thieves. Here's uh, the next Forza. Here's the next, like, and it's just, it's to be honest, it's relatively boring. Although last year they did announce the Porsche 911, uh, what is it? or Porsche 911 GT2, or Porsche GT2, uh, which was a crazy announcement to happen at a gaming conference. But um, I love Porsches, by the way. But so any type of change that they can, they can mix it up for their E3 presentation, I'm all about because it, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of, uh, it's just kind of boring. And I'm a, I like games. I play PUBG. I'm 70 hours into PUBG, although that's mostly on the PC now. Um, so we will see. I, I'm curious to see how they change things for E for E3. Uh, one of the things they are going to be more than likely announcing, I'm pretty sure of this now, and I have had to have mentioned on this podcast, I've known about this thing for a while, but couldn't write it up for various reasons, is that Microsoft's Elite, uh, they're working on Elite Controller V2, so which is the follow-up to this guy right here. Um, the next next gen. And so there are quite a few changes, but not a ton. And so some pictures leaked out here. Uh, right here, this is one picture of it. And what you see here is if you take the thumb cap off of the, uh, let me see here. So if you take the thumb cap off like this, what that, what that image is showing is this thumbstick with a screw on top. And what that's going to allow you to do is you can tighten and loosen that. And that's going to adjust the, just how much resistance you have when, when uh, pushing that around. At least that's what I believe. And then there might even be some digital settings as well, which you see there on those lights, uh, or those might be profiles too. I'm not quite sure I should ask uh, some people who are at Microsoft what those actually indicate, but I believe that screw is some sort of torsion mechanism. And then you can see potentially the profiles there. 
Uh, other things you can see here is that um, under the thumbstick, which if you look at the current gen right here, this might be hard to see. See how it's kind of like a matte? It's uh, like a matte silver. You can see that um, right there that it is clearly a high polished look. Uh, other things that are going to be happening too is that the, the rubberized padding that's back here kind of wraps around to the front of the controller now, which I have a lot of concerns about because here's, I mean, you can see, you can look at this one. I've already glued it back several times and you can see like this stuff just peels off. So I hope that whatever adhesive they find for the front of these controllers and where they're, we're going to do that, uh, actually, you know, actually sticks this time because that, I don't know, the fact that I had this, <laughs> and you can see how like lumpy that is back there, but it, it's fine for my hand, but like it's clearly all mangled and all that stuff. So that should be coming um, with E3 this year, I believe. Availability, not sure. I would expect them to keep roughly the same price point. I can't imagine all that. Uh, the other big change that is coming with that controller, by the way, is so when you buy the Elite currently, it comes in this nice kind of um, plastic hard shell case. And the, the next gen, I believe it's going to have built-in batteries and it's going to actually charge via USB type C in that case. So you go buy this case and when you're done playing, you just go pop it back in there and there you go. It's going to charge everything up. So that should be, uh, that should be interesting to see what actually happens with that machine, with that device. I, it's kind of leaked out already. It, it's far enough along in the development cycle that I I can't imagine that anything else is going to happen to it. Uh, there was actually, I heard that they might have been tempted to release it last year, but with the Scorpio announcement, I think it was going to, um, <laughs> I think it was going to be too much, too much uh, eliteness at that time. So, yeah, uh, as Rachel points out in the, um, <laughs> in the comments, this rubber breaking and material kind of reminds me of the band too because the Bantu had rubber breaking issues and it's, it's never the, the hardware itself. It's always kind of like those extra components that are strapped on there that seem to break. So yeah, rubber, rubber engineers, actually Buckster McGee was who pointed out the better rubber engineers at Microsoft. And he's absolutely right. Uh, I would go as far. Yeah. Rubber, I was gonna say rubber adhesive engineers are kind of where things are, uh, <laughs> kind of go downhill. I don't know. I, I keep going back to the fact, because uh, Fitbit this week put out a thing that uh, now syncs your stuff with your Xbox and allows you to do at-home um, at home exercises, which is really cool. Uh, I like Fitbit. I think they're a good company. A lot of people say Microsoft should buy Fitbit. But he here's the thing. Microsoft is not really a consumer company too much anymore. Um, but it, I was thinking about this. You know what would be really neat is if they came to me and said, Brad, um, how would you spend – Microsoft has – let's uh, – give or take $150 billion in cash. He said, how would you, how would you buy, use that money to get back into the consumer segment? And so here's kind of how I would spend some of that money. I think buying Fitbit would be really interesting. Uh, they could buy Fitbit. They could buy uh, Netflix, I think would be another interesting acquisition for Microsoft. And here's kind of the wild card that I know they would never do, but I would love to see them buy OnePlus. The, the makers like the OnePlus 5T, mostly because they make really high-end hardware at a really good price. And Microsoft could buy an Android vendor and then, um, you know, launch these things with their own uh, launchers on it, um, but still utilizing the Google Play Store. And then buying uh, Spotify. You know, if they, if they put together Netflix, Spotify, um, 
let's see, OnePlus and Fitbit, you'd have a nice little ecosystem of consumer products that are relatively well regarded. And yes, that was that would cost them a lot of money, but I think that's how they could buy their way back into the consumer market. And so uh, it's interesting to, to think about. Now, will they actually do any of that? I, I don't know because Microsoft has had a lot of trouble making good money with consumer services. And um, yeah, so it, I don't think they're going to be able to launch the thing. The reason why Netflix is interesting because obviously it's a streaming platform. The other one too that would be an interesting purchase actually in conjunction with Netflix is if they bought Vimeo. Vimeo is one of the rare video platforms that's out there for creators. Um, it's kind of like that premium YouTube experience, right? And so if they bundled all that stuff up together, I think they could become a quickly a quick powerhouse. The question is, is that a good use of their money considering that they are primarily an enterprise company now with some uh, legacy consumer services? Um, you know, Surface exists and that's a consumer and Xbox exist, exists. It's just interesting. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Microsoft could do to get back into the consumer space if they truly have that ambition. I don't, you know, they, they got burned really bad on the Nokia purchase. Actually, my daughter pulled this phone out and she's like, hey, can I play with that? Oh, look, the camera kind of like rebalanced a little bit better. Um, and I was like, no, I was like, so I ended up giving her a different, different Lumia. And it's like, that one's kind of sentimental because this was the first, the first Microsoft phone that I ever bought uh, in the Lumia brand or Windows phone. It's a Lumia 900 that was on AT&T. And I remember, I remember buying that phone. I walked into the AT&T store and I wanted to buy it. I was like, hey, I just want to buy the phone. I don't want to buy service. And they wouldn't let me. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I walked in there like, nope, you got to sign a two-year contract. And this was on the launch day. And I was like, nope, not going to do it. And so I eventually had to buy it directly from AT&T or directly from Nokia to get it shipped to me. It was stupid. Um, but yeah. So kind of a crazy, interesting things to think about how Microsoft could get back into the consumer space. I, again, Again, I, I don't see them doing that because they have a pretty bad history of, of buying all this stuff. Like when they bought, they shouldn't have bought Nokia, to be honest. Like it was, I know why they did it. They did it because Nokia was going to start building Android phones and they needed a Windows Phone Hero. They needed the platform or the, the, the hardware and, um, you know, the story rights itself. So... Anyways, but just think about if Microsoft actually owned Netflix. I, even another interesting purchase could be potentially Roku. Roku's in a lot of places that Microsoft isn't in the living room. They, they're kind of the anti-Apple TV, anti-Chromecast. Um, so that, that would be another interesting purchase. So we'll see. I, I don't, I'm not expecting any major moves. I don't, but, um, you know, somebody posed that question at some point. So let's dive into the questions. There's a bunch of them uh, this week. Let's see here. Refresh the page. All right. Uh, CP writes three minutes ago. Windows Movie Maker does not support MP4 files. Windows Movie. Okay. Uh, Windows Movie Maker does not support MP4 files. I created them doing screen recordings of work process. Any equivalent free to use software that will do basic captioning? Uh, I'm not not totally familiar. Like if you're wanting to put your own captions in there, I don't I think Movie Maker did voice to text captioning uh you could look at the remix there's now the video editor in the latest version that potentially might be um if you need let's see if you need just a true video editor there's davinci uh by black magic that is actually a very high powerful video editor available for free and so hopefully between one of those two options you can kind of figure things out without having to pay any money uh kj pda says 
Uh, Cortana Invoke and Features. How come there is not a Skype AI bot, free, bot features in Cortana? Will these Skype features ever make it into Cortana? Uh, so th it's kind of screwed up. There was some Cortana features in Skype. Uh, Cortana does support Skype. You can make Skype calls over Cortana. Um, but I don't know. Like, there, there's something going on with the Cortana team, and I haven't quite figured it out yet because Cortana to me feels like it's just sort of adrift. And it lives in Windows 10. It's actually going to be moving, I think, over to the Action Center. I believe Cortana is run by the Bing team, if I'm not mistaken. It's in that kind of neck of the woods. It's not really a Windows product. And so I, I'm trying to figure out what internally is like going through their heads about where they're, they're, where they're uh, headed with this. Because they put out a, an interview where they did an interview with GeekWire. Where they said, hey, we're in this for the long term. And they also said, yeah, we're in it for the long term with... Uh, with Windows Phone, and we all know how that worked out. Now, granted, supporting and maintaining Cortana probably isn't nearly as expensive as, as maintaining a physical product, but Microsoft kind of needs to come out and set a clear and very decisive direction with Cortana. The, the thing that's kind of breaking my heart here is that obviously we knew that they were there first. It's that, and, and maybe I am just missing some of this, but it seems like Microsoft's lost a little bit of their aggressiveness, like, like their ability to just drive home new messages, drive into new markets and, and take over and dominate. Now, granted there's Google and there's Apple. It's tougher to do these days, but it also seems like they're not, they're not as aggressive about just shoving things through the door and making sure that they work and get it done, you know, kind of heads down and, and making products just uh, appear and appear great in great manner. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm heading with that, but um you know, it seems like they're just kind of like, ah, eh, you know, Cortana's just here floating along um, rather than being way out there. So other question from KJ says, uh, Microsoft's mixed reality updates, any new game features coming to Windows mixed reality? The only game thing we really know is that Halo, which, you know, not surprising. It wouldn't surprise me if we see a Forza announcement too. If you remember from back when we were scooping stuff about the Scorpio, there was originally a mixed reality component to that. And I suspect that E3 is when we might hear some more about that. Uh, da, da, da. Mr. PKI says, uh, after CES, are we going to see Amazon Alexa shoot on the Xbox? Sorry, I got a bunch of comments last week about not saying that on the podcast because it was firing off um, things at people's houses. And so I don't know if I turn mine off. I don't know if we will see it on the Xbox. There's, I think that if it does come to the Xbox, that would be interesting. I mean, right now I'm still waiting for the uh, Echo. I don't want to say the name and the Cortana integration on Windows, right? Microsoft promised that and so did Amazon. And yet we still haven't really seen that. And I, they said it was coming soon. I thought we were going to see something at CES. But in fact, we actually didn't. All we saw was actually... Amazon software running on Windows 10, but that's not even remotely close to the same. So, uh, as reward says, are there going to be going to be Snapdragon 6XX slash 4XX uh, Windows PCs? While Snapdragon 835 PCs are nice, they seem to be only able to compete on battery life, seeing that the performance is pretty low end. Are we going to see Snapdragon based PCs hitting lower price points? I see what you're saying. Um, as of right now, I don't know if those lower end, uh, Snapdragon series processors fully support the emulation that is needed for windows. That is a question that I don't know the answer to currently. And will we see that I, eventually I, if put it this way, if these Snapdragon PCs become a big hit, absolutely. I think we could see them scale that down into lower, 
uh, lower SKUs of the, the CPU. But for right now, they want to make sure that the first iteration is basically the best and brightest that they have, which is the 835, even though the 845 has already been announced. But um, yeah, the, the price point has always been an interesting one. I think people assumed that these were going to be lower priced than they are. They're like seven, 800 bucks. So you're competing with Intel at that point. But at the same time, if they lower the price point initially, like if they came in at like 400 bucks, everyone, regardless of performance or anything else, the consumer perception will be like, eh, it's not nearly as good. It's going to be Windows RT all over again. It's lower price. That means it can't be good. And so uh, I think Qualcomm is acutely aware of that. And they've done very, very, very well lately. Their Snapdragon stuff is in everything. They've, they've done a fantastic job. And so I'll be very curious to see how, actually how well these things start selling. Um, if I remember correctly, they're going to be required Redstone 4 for when it launches. And so Redstone 4 isn't going to come out for another couple months, which is when these things are going to hit, which is why I keep watching very closely when these companies announce release dates for these products. They keep saying spring. A couple of them have actually given me specific months, but it, it aligns up to when Redstone 4 is going to be released. Although we already know it's going to be in the third month of the year. But um, typically probably that second half of the third of uh, month three, yeah, so sometime in early March, I think they'll get the sun. If they're getting closer here, um, I believe they're just about fully locked down on new features and all that stuff, and we're going to start getting a lot of builds, just kind of rapid fire in the relatively near future. Adam Corbley says, why are Microsoft so slow? I think this is actually kind of tied to the aggressiveness I was just talking about. Google, Apple, and Amazon constantly outpace them, even when Microsoft start first HoloLens or strangely Cortana. Even projects based on prototypes such as browser or to-do list are not finished, fully agree, uh, or barely functional. Is this a culture problem at Microsoft? This is a very fair question because here, here's a perfect example. So Microsoft said that that Wonderlist was going to be going away and that they were building this one new thing called to-do. And then um, they kind of came back and said, nah, you know what, Wonderlist isn't actually going to go away yet. And then to-do has just been kind of floating around very, very slowly, like an anemic update pace. And so I, I don't know. Um, I, I will push back, Adam, a little bit on HoloLens for a very specific reason. One, um, I, I think we we'll, might see the next inklings of the next-gen HoloLens this year. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, when I wrote the initial scoop that they canceled kind of like Gen 2 to focus more intently on V3, um, it was going to launch in 2019, which means that the dev kits have to go out in 2018. I think that's exactly what I wrote up, and I still kind of expect that 2018, we'll start to see HoloLens, the next generation of it. Um, the reason why I push back on HoloLens is that there still isn't a true competitor. The, the biggest one that was kind of floating around was Magic Leap. But Magic Leap has raised $2 billion and they're saying, we're going to ship a development kit in 2018. And they did it very awkwardly announced in a very odd time in December. And so uh, all we've seen so far is that you have to wear a headset and then basically uh, a Sony Walkman, the, the old school CD players, on on your hip and so hololens i still think they're okay i think that team was pushing ahead in the right direction um basically because this is this isn't something that's easy right they're, they're shooting light into your eyeball now their implementation will be very interesting their pricing and their aggressiveness here it has to be second to none they have to be really super aggressive with hololens v2 they have to be otherwise microsoft is going to lose out uh, i could see them losing out to google and apple um, and I have to think that Amazon is working on something too at this point. So, 
um, yeah, they, they kind of need to be 2018 is going to be, I think a make or break year for HoloLens too. I, I'm pretty, pretty certain of that, but, um, I, I fully agree with everything else. They're slow, like their app updates, their individual product updates. The only thing they're not so slow on windows updates, but that's kind of like the one place it's like, okay, one major update per year is fine. And they're like, screw it. We're going to do two. But then you look at like things like Cortana. It's like, where are all the major updates to Cortana? You look at all the built-in apps. They're not really getting updated. Um, they do a relatively good job of updating their, their apps on other platforms like iOS and Android. But um, th there's there's something it seems like Microsoft kind of lost that fighting competitive spirit a little bit over the years. Um, and then he also writes, Paul reported last year that PWA support will be showing up soon. Uh, it was supposed to be. Have you heard anything else about this? Are they still arriving this development cycle? I'm not. I thought they were supposed to arrive this spring. I'm pretty sure of that. But you're right. We haven't heard any real things about that. Um, Paul was correct that they were. It was slated to be arriving soon. I don't know if this thing got pushed back, kind of like my very much and very anticipated cloud clipboard. But here we are, you know, uh, nearing the end of January, and we don't have a lot of information about certain stuff that's coming in Windows. So, and then King Nerd the Third, he writes, uh, if I think that the Andromeda device covers a need of mine pocket notebook. Will it make sense to buy it? Microsoft thinks it'll be a niche device, but I think I'm in that niche. Um, you know, it, sure. <laughs> if you think this is going to fit a need in your life, I would definitely not buy Well, you can't buy it. It hasn't even been announced yet. Although I think we all have a very good uh, impression of what this device is actually going to be. And so are you crazy to buy it? No. I mean, it's money. It's your money at the end of the day. Just be prepared that it's going to be a thousand bucks or more. And, um, you know, if, if that's okay for you, then by all means buy it. I'm not one to tell you not to. Um, my thing here is that it's not going to be a, a market changing device on day one. Think about how long it took surface to actually latch on, uh, three years or three iterations. Essentially you had surface RT, uh, surface RT two. And then it wasn't until surface pro three came out that Microsoft really kind of found a foothold. And so knowing that first iteration Microsoft devices typically don't do all that well, although this one back here is not so bad, but Jesus, Microsoft up, you know, can you give us, throw us a bone and update the internals? That's running a sixth generation, uh, CPU with 950 GTX or 960 GTX graphics card. And they're still charging 4,200 bucks for the top end model. That's pretty, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a bit much, uh, if I'm honest there. So yeah. Um, Bart actually writes in the comments, he says, uh, Google has delayed the rollout of PWAs till June, he believes. Um, so that might have some impact on what Microsoft is doing at this point. But um, the, the biggest thing I'm curious about PWAs is how their integration with the store is going to play out. So because I think that's Microsoft's lifeline there is for the Windows Store is through the PWAs. But uh, yeah, we will see. We will see, guys. Uh, another another fun week. I think I, I might have to get on a plane. I think I said last week I don't have anything on my schedule, but I might have to go to New York in a couple weeks. Nothing Microsoft-related, mostly just related to just uh, company planning and that and um, all that good stuff. Next week coming up, I will definitely have uh, quite a bit about the PC. I know some people really love that stuff. I know some people just don't care, and I totally get why you just don't care, but I tend to nerd out on this type of stuff and... Um, I found a new love for building PCs and tinkering, and hopefully this will give me my fix for at least a couple of years until 
the next big wave of stuff came out. Uh, somebody did ask me, they said, why don't you wait until the next next generation chips come out? Because the chip that's in here came out in like November or whatever. Uh, mostly because I need the machine now. And I'm a big believer, if you need the machine now, you build it now. If you're waiting for the next thing, you're always going to be waiting. And Intel's performance jumps are iterative, right? They're not revolutionary, big changes. Uh, the graphics card is probably the biggest change. Right now, it's using Pascal. And I might buy a Volta chip or a Volta graphics card when it comes out if the gains are that much improved for 4k gaming right now typically when I game I game at uh, what is it like 2860 or 2180 whatever it is by 1440 but um even though it's a 4k display it looks fine so uh da, 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 da. uh Gordon just last question here says hey Brad any idea why HBO Amazon Showtime etc are not making their Xbox apps available on Windows 10 mostly because I think they probably want you to go to their website would be would, would be my guess for now um the other thing is too is that uh windows 10 desktop apps may just not have the need or there may they might begin going that progressive web app route but i don't have any firm information the only thing i'm kind of waiting for in the store is itunes that was supposed to be coming um, i know that it's not like it's a canceled project i know people who are using it in the store but uh, it's clearly not there yet so iTunes in the store, if you've been kind of waiting for that, it's still coming. I just don't know when. Maybe that and the Echo integration with Windows 10 from Amazon uh, will arrive on the same day. Who knows? All right, guys. Uh, going to shut it down here today. Hopefully all this worked as expected now that I'm on a fully new rig and I can get this. I got to get this camera stuff figured out. I might buy just end up buying a new webcam. I need to go to 4K just because now I have the bandwidth and capacity to do so should be a lot more fun but uh, as always everyone thanks for tuning in i hope you have a wonderful weekend and we'll catch you right back here next week on the sam's report